Hi, John. Everdeep, good to see you. It's good to see you too. How have you been? Pretty good. It's been a, a full uh, month or two since we've last had a chance to, to, to meet in this format. And a uh, very intense uh, period of time. We lost one of our most uh, loved and valued uh, members of the community here in Crestone. And then I also lost a um, one of my first cousins who I had grown up with as a kid. And uh, both of these thing, things hit within uh, a period of a little bit more than a month. So I've been going through a lot of that process of grieving and kind of bringing uh, myself back into, into a more normal way of life flow. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, yeah, um, and perhaps, perhaps that is, that is something where we can begin because we find ourselves there uh, and many of our listeners and fellow explorers of, of the mind are are going through some challenging times. <clears throat> we are going through challenging times as a society. For sure. A lot of people are grieving for some for their health, for the economic situation, perhaps for realizations uh, with with this this long time and period alone and solitude for many people uh, suspect it will be very interesting to the extent that the listeners could benefit from for us to touch upon some of the ideas from your own personal uh, process and the work that you have developed around the shadows and grief being one of them and perhaps to set the context we could start either by just giving a bit of a flavor as to how you have been approaching it and then we can move into the wider framework and methodology if we can call it that or the mandala of, of liberating the shadows work. Sure. Be glad to take a little dive in that direction. Um, I think one of the uh, things that's pretty obvious to all of us right now is there's a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, um, a great deal of anxiety and worry about what's coming up in the future. Uh, in some cases, anger about about the uh, way things have gone politically or socially, and uh, and a, a deep sense of uh, basic frustration about kind of being stuck at home, stuck in a much more enclosed, limited outer environment because the pandemic has really required us to socially distance and uh, wear masks and uh, things of that sort. So all this has added up to uh, quite a cycle of, of uh, sadness, grief, fear, fear of the future, anger around uh, having to be in this kind of situation or anger externally directed 
towards others that are not doing a good job, we feel. And then a sense of um, maybe deep uh, anxiety and impatience and a feeling of wanting to get on with life and kind of a feeling of, I'd like to get back to my normal life. And, and uh, so there's kind of impatience and hastiness in this that's being pushed back down because of the outer circumstances. And then that deep uh, uh, sense of worry about the future and the sadness and grief that comes from both the loss of loved ones or the many who are becoming sick, maybe not dying, but becoming sick and going through different kinds of illnesses related to the COVID situation. Um, <clears throat> so that, that what I just mentioned is, a, is the Taoist system of, of cycling through the blockages and the normal emotions that arise when you're in a state of difficulty and blockage. Uh, the, the cycle that I just mentioned has to do with what are called the five elements in the Chinese system. Uh, starting with the earth element, that one is especially involved with uh, worry and um, and uh, anxiety around how the future is 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 developing. And then that feeds into a sense of uh, deep sadness and grief around the loss of loved ones and the loss of really a life and a, a normal kind of life that we've been able to live before this. And that feeds into an underlying, a deeper level of, of fear around what's going on, a fear of these known circumstances and also a fear of the unknown uh, challenges that may come up in the future that we don't know about the fear of the unknown. And then that feeds into an extroverted experience of anger at the situation we find ourselves in and the kind of um, <clears throat> deep frustration, which is often expressed in anger towards others in society that we, we feel should be more responsible in helping control this outer situation. <clears throat> if we're in a situation where the, the outer social and political circumstances are, don't seem to be sufficient in helping to deal with the realities of this pandemic, it can naturally lead to great anger about these circumstances. That anger then leads to a feeling of, then of deep hastiness, uh, kind of profound level of um, impatience, wanting to get on with life, not wanting to remain one more moment in this this kind of lockdown of life situation that we feel that we're all going through and experiencing. And that feeds again into further worry. And so that cycle that I've just outlined is the cycle of how the five elements internally in terms of our blockages and our shadow aspects feed each other. They continuously go in a cycle of feeding and generating more and more blockages, more and more anger, anxiety, fear, hastiness, um, anxiety, and, uh, <clears throat> and the entire cycle of blockage. If we're not aware that these, these um, blockages and obscurations are a system of interconnected emotional uh, shutting down, then it's very difficult to address these blockages and to take the time to begin to not just address them, but also to be skillful and both honoring the reality and developing ways of transforming them into free and liberated 
um, energy and awareness. So the work that we've been doing in the shadow retreat is taking these five elemental aspects. The wood element, as I said before, is associated with um, anger. The fire element is associated with hastiness and patience. The earth element is associated with um, predominantly with uh, worry. The uh, metal or stone element is associated especially with sadness and grief. And the, uh, and the water element is associated with fear. And then of course the water element then feeds into the wood element and you begin that sort of cycle over again, going deeper with it. So what we've been learning to do in, in this recent retreat that you and I have been together in is working with these shadow aspects associated with the five elements and finding ways to skillfully transform them in the midst of this pandemic to provide a deeper and more liberated condition within ourselves or to discover the already occurring naturally liberated state that lives at the essence of ourselves in the heart and in the mind. And uh, that's basically what we've been up to. And I think a number of people seem to have been benefited so far, although there is a danger, as we were saying earlier, Pradeep, that you can get so obsessively caught up in working with the blockages that all you do is cycle through the blockages and it becomes an endless cycle of waiting around in the mud. And there's no end to it. And that, of course, is not, not the goal. The goal is freedom, liberation. Yes, yes, that's that's... That's a very helpful overarching view that that can be very useful to the listeners. And perhaps as an example, what might be beneficial is for us to give an example of how one of these emotions could be something that someone listening to this could work with. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe we can talk about I sense that right now with the current political and social climate, anger is something that is very likely to emerge as a shadow. Uh, so perhaps that is something we could talk about. So maybe you can tell us, okay, so which element that would be mapping to and what would someone do if they are feeling that sense of anger against the system, the rules, the way things are being managed, uh, how, how, how should they work with this skillfully? Yeah. Well, I think uh, given different individuals, what may be coming out, it may be anger, but it also might be uh, a basic sense of worry, or it could be the introverted aspect of anger, which is deep fear around the, everything that you knew is suddenly began, is, is being lost. There's no knowledge about what's going to come up in the future. Am I going to die or is my family going to die or until my loved one's going to pass on. I'm very ill. So there's a lot of fear. I'd say fear is maybe an even more underlying issue. And then, of course, this linkage we just talked about of sadness, grief, impatience, and hastiness to move on with life. All of those I see happening right now in the midst of this pandemic. So I think different individuals will come in with different kinds of blockages according to their their own circumstances, their own, their own natures, their own inner, inner natures. And uh, we'll have to learn how to deal with these things skillfully. But what I wanted to point out earlier was that 
these blockages are part of a system of blockages and obscurations which actually feed into each other. And that's why I went through that cycle the way I did. This is not just one kind of blockage, it's usually a series of blockages which feed into each other. Just as fear feeds into anger, for example, if fear is very strong, then one of the ways that you deal with is to extrovert it into anger against something or someone or some outward circumstance that helps you deal with even with the underlying fear in your own in your own experience. It doesn't usually lead to a, a profound shift in that fear. It might give a temporary relief by expressing the anger, but the underlying cause of the deep fear that was the cause of the anger is usually not been addressed. So even these temporary releases are just a beginning, a start really for the process of transformation. What we've developed in the way of nature is a system of working with any basic fundamental blockage aspect or shadow aspect like fear or anger, and then honoring the truth of it. And in the very beginning, expressing the truth of it through our body, our speech, and our mind, so that we, we feel it fully. We don't try to block it anymore. We honor the fact that it's a valid and authentic experience in our, that we're going through. And we begin to feel it in our body. We begin to express it through our movements and through our voice. And we usually, I recommend that people do this in an environment where they they explain to either to nature if you're doing it outdoors in nature in a special spot, or if you're doing it in a in your home. And if there's anybody else around, you need to let people know that you're gonna you're really gonna bring up some of these emotions so that you can be, be feeling them authentically and fully. And then once they're fully expressed, then we have a series of levels of different ways that you can begin to transform the raw, pure energy of these blockages and shadow aspects that have, have been honored and acknowledged as existing. Um, <clears throat> and it's a little while to go through all six of those, but I can touch on a couple of them. One of them is to apply the very simple techniques of purification. Uh, the techniques of purification have to do with doing things like if you're, I'm sure you've had, all had the experience of, if you're really angry or you're really upset, you're feeling anxious or hasty or sad, whatever, or worrying a lot, whatever it may be going on, if you go in and take a good shower. I like to take a hot shower and fill it with a good blast of cold, for example. When I do that, I come out of that shower and if my intention is to take that shower, and to honor the water element to help purify and, uh, and in a sense, wash away these emotional shadow blockage aspects that I'm experiencing. Miraculously, at the end of the shower, I feel a lot better. Uh, for some people, a bath can do it, a good, a good hot bath or a good hot bath followed by jumping in a, in a cold stream, better yet. So <clears throat> that's an example of purification a technique that comes in from the Native American culture is taking a, a bit of sage or sweet grass or um, something like a very pure natural type of tobacco. You know, originally tobacco was a sacred plant 
to, to those of us here in North America. And it was grown to be used ceremonially in a sacred way for the pipe ceremony and for uh, things like purification practices. So if you take the substances like, like tobacco, sage, and sweetgrass, and you bind them into a, into a little bundle, then you ignite them and you move that smoke, the smoke that comes from the three purifying plants. And the smoke begins to affect the energy body and the, the energy field of the body as you begin to move it from the base of the torso to the top, on the sides of the body, up and down the back, down the legs to the feet, back up both sides of the legs, front and back and sides, back up to the base of the torso and then back up to the crown. If you do that with the intention of completely purifying with the support of these purifying substances, then it can have a powerful effect in helping purify the energy body and the field of being that extends from the body out for some distance from the physical body. And the effect of that is remarkable for people who have not ever done this. It, it might be a wonderful thing to, to give a try. It's a very simple technique. And the main key here, as we've said in earlier uh, sharings on this podcast, is to have a clear intention of purifying for the benefit of all beings. If you have that clear benefit, uh, intention to have this purification and to do it not just for your own benefit, but also for the benefit of all other beings that you come into contact with, because you're going to come into contact with other beings as a clear, more open, more spacious, more heartful human. And, uh, and of course, all beings will benefit from that. That's the kind of attention you bring to the that kind of purification or any purification practice. Now, those are two examples. There are literally dozens upon dozens of purification practices that are available. The sweat lodge is another famous one, which uh, in in Northern Europe is used as the um, as the uh, ceremony. It's not done in quite the same type of ceremonial way as it is in the Native American way, but it, when you go into the Finnish or Swedish sauna, the effect is very, very similar. And the intention too is one of purification. So even the utilization of things like a sauna and a steam bath can be very, very helpful in, in an age old way to utilize the combination of heat and the water element to purify the energy body. So there are a number of these kinds of practices that you can bring into very quickly begin to transform and clear and clean the, these blocked emotional uh, shadow aspects in our being. And <clears throat> the big issue with those is that most of those are temporary solutions to the process of um, resolving the, the fundamental, fundamental kind of blockage or shadow that you're working with. They're very good, they're kind of like washing, brushing your teeth or washing your face uh, they're very good in the short term to clear many of the obscurations that you're working with. But as a long-term solution, they, they're not, not as effective as some of the other ways of going deeper with the process of transformation. But if you're really being overwhelmed by some of these things, then these shorter-term purification practices can be a great beginning to begin the path of, path of total transformation 
the blockage aspects or the shadow aspects that you're addressing. But you always start with honoring the truth of what's really going on inside of you. Addressing the truth of that, bringing that out so that you can begin to see it authentically and experience it authentically. And then you go deeper in the process of expressing it through releasing uh, through the body, speech and mind, through movement, through uh, expressing yourself vocally, it might involve crying or screaming or yelling if you need to. But the, the raw, pure, vital energy of the blockage is being expressed. And then you can move into begin to apply some of the purification practices. Once that energy is clear and raw and pure, you can begin to apply some of the purification practices according to the different types of things that we teach in the way of nature, for example. <clears throat> well, thank you for that. Uh, if, if, if I may just ask a couple of clarifying questions for our listeners. Uh, the first one being, you know, you mentioned that often the blockages flow in a cycle. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, for instance, how anger would often have a root in fear in the water element. And the way you describe that pattern, it seemed like the cycle often starts with the water element. Would that be the right understanding or would it, could it also start from any other experience, any other emotion? It could start from any one of the elemental aspects. Part of it depends on your, your background, your background of experience. Let's say somebody has had experience of being in an earthquake and the, the earth shakes and uh, buildings fell down around them. Maybe some of their loved ones were killed in the earthquake, the building crashed down upon them and crushed them. And so they have a lot of trauma around uh, the earth element uh, creating uh, a dangerous situation for them. That would naturally produce in terms of the elemental expression of that deep sense of worry and insecurity about being secure because you're, you're never, you don't quite ever feel like the earth is truly a solid supportive uh, thing under your feet because you've got that, that history in your background or maybe your family had that experience and that fear was passed along to you, that blockage was passed along to you through the family history. Or maybe there's a karmic aspect coming into play of a previous lifetime if you believe in those kinds of things <clears throat> where in a previous lifetime you experienced an earthquake and died, let's say. And then you come into this life and you have an underlying fear of the earth and the stability of the earth. And you have a lot of worry about life being okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's, so that's, uh, this reminds me of when I was a kid and we had an earthquake. Uh, and I remember <laughs> that I was seven or eight. And I thought it was very exciting what was happening around me. It was a very small earthquake. Uh, it was just a few tremors and I was like, wow, what is happening? It's very interesting. But what was, again, I think, and this would be very helpful for people to, to understand is sometimes the same experience can be interpreted very differently. Mm -hmm. And what might appear as instability could also be excitement. What might be fear might also be surprise uh, and and I, I feel like there's an element of what you call the mental body coming into that. And maybe, maybe it will be interesting to connect a little bit into that because I feel that 
people are able to understand the shadow from an emotional perspective often and the emotions, but they are very closely linked with the conceptual as well. Absolutely. And thanks for bringing that up. Uh, what, I, what I've been doing in the past couple of years is showing that blockages or shadow aspects can show up at a number of levels in ourselves. They can show up in the physical body as a <clears throat> physical pain or a physical disability, which is an expression of that particular kind of shadow aspect or blockage. It can also show up in the energy body, which is the system of meridians that you find, say, in acupuncture, for example, or that you find in the chakra system of the energy body. Both the chakra system and the acupuncture meridian system, the meridians of the body, form an energy system which can hold in itself blockage aspects that can come from a variety of different causes. But those, those blockages in the energy, energy body can lead to disturbances in the other aspects of our being as well. And then of course we have the emotional body which we've just been discussing a bit more. And these emotions can come from many different sources but the emotional body is the system of the actual experience, emotional experiences that can then can lead to a state of dis-ease in our emotions. That can lead to blockages in the energy body and then the blockages in the energy body can lead to, easily lead to blockages in the physical body and a state of physical disease. Now moving up from the emotional level, you can go into the mental body and the mental body may have belief patterns or, or mental patterns which lead to blockages themselves, like the belief that I am, surely I'm going to get sick next year. I, there's no way that I can get, or like this pandemic, there's no way I can get through this pandemic without becoming ill. I'm terrified about this and I'm really afraid this is going to happen to me and I'm, and oh my God, what am I going to do if this happens? Will I die or will I make it through? What about my loved ones? So all those thoughts are creating uh, effects on the energy body, on the emotional body, and on the physical body, the different bodies that are, make up you. And um, the mental body itself is also, by the way, affected by these ancestral patterns that may be passed along through the family and through the cultural system that you're part of. Ancestral patterns can be another way in which the blockages are passed along to you and then affect you and affect all these other bodies. And then I say for, for those of us that believe in, in the interweaving web of, of um, ongoing lifetimes and existences through, through a continuum of being where we take on different existences and different bodies, previous existences have an effect too. And you can come into this life with a memory of that earthquake that you died in or the memory of, of or the impact of something that took place that created great fear or anger or grief or sadness or worry or whatever. And those karmic patterns can then trigger the mental patterns and the mental circumstances that then come together with the emotional body, which amplifies it, that transfers into the energy body, then the energy body transfers into the physical body and you end up with some kind of a serious disease or maybe it weakens your, your immune system to such a degree that yes, you actually are affected by the coronavirus or some other illness.
of that kind or cancer or something or heart disease. So all of these bodies, the, the physical body, the energy body, the emotional body, the mental body, the ancestral pattern, body of ancestral patterns, and the karmic bodies, the karmic traces that come through from lifetime to lifetime, all of these come together in a system of blockage. And to become skillful at transforming these blockages, you have to learn how to transform blockages at each one of those levels, become skillful at that. Once you've done that, then you can have the opportunity to become a truly free and liberated being. So a lot of the emphasis of our shadow retreat work has been on, on that, but there has to be some care that you don't get obsessively caught up in spending your life just doing nothing else but obsessing about your blockages, your obscurations and your shadows, because then you just fall down into the murkiness of, of never ending mud, clogging up. Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. I think uh, on the other edge of that middle way is getting lost in the in the experiences of energy body. Yeah. Would you like to say, perhaps comment a little bit around that as well? Uh, and you're thinking? Like, so there is this thing where one might get into the, the shadows and just really interested in that and just spending a lot of time in that. And the other side might be that one just wants to spend more, more and more of their time in the energy. Yeah. Energy body is a very interesting one because uh, unlike the, the emotional body and the, and the mental bodies, the energy body in a sense is a very pure kind of system. And uh, it's interesting because the mind does lead the chi to some degree, but the chi can also lead the mind. So there's a, there's a feedback effect where at one level the mind's leading the chi, but at another level the chi is leading the mind. And it's said in, in, in Taoist internal alchemy, which is a very advanced system of transformation of the energy body, that ultimately when, when, the, when the, chi, the chi and the physical body and the mind have been truly liberated from many of their blockages, at that point, one's true nature and the individuated spark of the spirit which expresses intent, then that actually begins to rule the entire human system. And at that point, the spirit leads the chi. The spirit leads the energy body in a very pure and clear sense. And in a way, uh, it becomes a service of, uh, of source. And, and this universal source would it be the equivalent of shunyata or emptiness from which everything arises from a Buddhist perspective? Yeah, from the Buddhist perspective, it could be called um, in, the, in Dzogchen, which is one aspect of, which embraces one aspect of, of the Buddhist path. Uh, it would be called Rigpa. From uh, the standpoint of you mentioned, from the standpoint of more classical Buddhism, in Shunyata, <clears throat> but it also could be expressed in the Taoist system as the Tao, or in the Christian context, it might be expressed as the Godhead. 
the, the ultimate spark of the, the fundamental level of God, which is beyond any specific form that we might express it. And we might have the form of God visualized as a noble guy with a white beard like this, or it might be visualized as a, as a very ancient, beautiful grand, grandmother that's holding all of existence, just like a mother holds a baby. So either way, or with both, I mean, many in the Native American tradition, the term great spirit is sometimes used because it's beyond either male or female sexuality embraces both male and female aspects, both God and goddess aspects. So however you envision it, the Godhead aspect or the Tao, the fundamental level of, of pure source is beyond all specific form. It's more fundamental than any specific form that we may become um, attached to as a way of, of concretizing um, this deep level of pure source. Because we want to be there with it, it's natural for the human being to want to, to assign different images and different uh, conditions on, on this level of the sacred. But in truth, all of those conditions are simply temporary manifestations of the sacred, whatever name you might give the, the, the divine or the, the deep level of God or goddess within the essence of the sacred view. All of those form aspects are temporary. And that underlying level is uh, what we, in the way of nature, we just call it pure source, or sometimes I refer to it as the great mystery because it, uh, it's really beyond any way of naming it or trying to concretize it. It's beyond all that because it gives birth and holds everything. It's continued creating the new, fresh and, and, and vibrant. So uh, trying to hold on to some old image doesn't really serve that well. Yes, and, and it also reminds me that trying to direct or plan your process also doesn't work <laughs> because you don't know where it's going to go. Uh, at least that's been my short experience with it. Uh, one thing I wanted to reflect back and, 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 and get your comment around was as part of the shadows work, that you have crafted, there is this element of the shadow-based expression of an emotional state, let's say, and then there's the liberated energy of it. But then there is this sense of the liberated expression of that energy in nature. And I'm, I, will, I will try to bring more clarity to this question. So, so for instance, when we are in nature and we see a tiger attacking a prey. There is an element of fierceness that is present. And yet there is a sense, at least when I look at a cat uh, doing it, that there is no sense of bad intent there. There is no shadow that is operating. There is just a clear presence and fierceness that is acting very different from how humans often would interact with each other with these sort of shadow expressions. They seem to get stuck in these feedback loops, but nature seems to be able to flow through them fully, uh, embrace the fierceness, express it, but without having any sadistic intent around it, and then just move on. And if let's say the cat jumps on the 
the prey and the prey escapes after five minutes the prey is going to continue playing it's not going to get traumatized around it and obsess about it for the rest of its life uh, there seems to be this natural flow and expression of these emotions and energies uh, i would love to hear your comment on that because you know you have explored so much of your time in expeditions and nature as well so just just it's amazing to me that nature is just doing this seamlessly <laughs> Yes, and it's important to remember that we are nature too. We are nature too. We're kind of a unusual experiment in nature. Keep in mind that nature of revolutionary time has gone, had many, many experiments. We happen to be a, a contemporary part of a contemporary experiment. And it's, this we also have, these experiments have been conducted as far as we know here in this planet Earth, but it's probable given what we know about the cosmos these days, that, that uh, conscious and intelligent existence exists in many, many places within the cosmos. We can maybe get into that another time, but it's very clear that that's the case. And uh, maybe the biggest question is, is there truly intelligent life on earth? That might be the, the more fundamental <laughs> question. Um, and I suppose one of the responses might be that, oh yeah, whales and dolphins and, and <laughs> elephants, they're very wise, very smart. Trees but, as well. <laughs> and trees, yes. But anyway, without going down that, that pathway, um, <clears throat> the uh, nature is, is quite amazing in that uh, if you look at nature, one of the, the most uh, fundamental aspects that it seems to express is an ability to work with matter and with form, with, with the entire world of form and, uh, and matter to organize it, to assemble it in our case, in the case of life, in the form of cells, tissues, organs and organisms, which then work together in communities um, or in the body and tissues um, <clears throat> in a way that begins to express the capacity to grow increasingly uh, capable ways of capturing the basic energy available in the, in the surrounding ambient system. So life, for example, started out as a, probably a very small element within, within planet Earth and then spread to become a, a vast biosphere or ecosphere that covers the entire planet. But it grew from some very small things in the very beginning. And if you try to define life, one of the best definitions of life is that it exhibits an underlying tendency to organize matter into forms that then capture increasing amounts of ambient energy and build the energy in the cosmos to build ever increasing capacity to grow itself as life and to move itself out and around the planet through through trees through people through organisms in the sea through microorganisms in the soil and as that process goes the underlying law of life in that sense is not competition. 
people have gotten it all wrong with, the, with their studies of Darwin and evolutionary theory. The fundamental law of the cosmos is collaboration, uh, synergy, which means collaborative cooperative behavior to come together in cooperative systems to provide increasingly effective means of capturing that energy, available energy in the cosmos to build increasingly effective and efficient systems of life that can spread and flourish and uh, create uh, and allow all of life as a whole to thrive. Now, competition comes in there is probably a 10%. I mean, I'm throwing these averages out just out of my own life experience, but I would estimate that roughly 10% of life is involved in the competitive work to refine and improve and make the overall system of life itself as an efficient process of flourishing in the overall cosmos. It makes it more effective and fine tunes it. For example, most of us that have, I'm a, by background I was trained as an ecologist, we discovered that most predatory species, their work and their behavior leads to a much more healthy and thriving overall ecosystem. Ecosystem meaning the whole family of life coming together into one whole where each part, each particular species and each population within that living system supports an overall whole that thrives and flourishes and evolves into increasingly better and more harmonious and better integrated systems. That's the fundamental tendency of life. So competition plays that role in helping to refine and sharpen and clarify the overall system. But the fundamental pattern is one of synergy and collaboration, cooperation and mutual integration. I think that's really important to understand because there's a great misunderstanding that came out of some of the early economic theory that the law of life was, the basic economics was based on, on, on uh, competition. Yes, and, and, and for listeners who, who, who wish to go deeper into that, I think we have an episode on the dance of dependence and collaboration, independence and interdependence. So we can probably point people to that uh, and uh, and sort of continue our exploration on on the shadows and the energy uh, perhaps perhaps you would like to also give people any any sense any sense of the other possibilities within the framework so we touched on purification uh, perhaps you want to just give a, a sense yeah. about the transformation perhaps or you can give a quick uh, uh, summary of some of the other levels now once you've become skillful at purification. And we gave some examples of that. Then what we generally recommend is to begin to, to take the blockage or the shadow aspect that you're working with and bring that into your heart and embrace it just as you would embrace a small baby that's crying. You place it on your heart and then you sit in meditation with this, this uh, little troubled uh, blockage infant screaming and yelling within the heart. And you meditate with the truth of that blockage and that shadow aspect without trying to change it, without trying to alter it in any way. You simply sit with it, with an open mind, a clear mind, a clear awareness, and meditate on the reality of the shadow aspect displaying itself within you. That's all you do. 
Now, what happens when you do that is that over time, uh, the, the natural tendency of many people is to run away from these inner blockages and shadows and separate themselves from it. And for that reason, one of the undermine, undermine, underlying blockages is fear itself, fear of getting too close to this, this inner uh, shadow aspect or inner demon. And so we, we try to distance ourselves so we don't suffer, we don't experience pain. And when you turn that around and instead you embrace that quality and you sit there with it and honor it and acknowledge the truth of it and then let it be itself and just meditate with it as the object of your meditation, then what happens over time is that all that power of dominating you while you're constantly trying to get away from it and doing alcohol, drugs, or different techniques to run away from, from this fundamental pain. Instead, by embracing it, you no longer need to do all those self-destructive things. You, and you notice that over time, the power of that, that emotional shadow being within you begins to become less and less powerful, less and less strong. It becomes weaker and weaker until ultimately it dissolves into nothingness and is gone. Now, it might take some time to go through that. It might take some months to sit with it in that way for this to happen. And you have to be very diligent about not trying to stop focusing on the truth of the shadow being within you. You have to be very, very dedicated and in a sense, very committed to make that kind of a deep dive into the shadow and to stay with it until it begins to naturally go through this process of shrinking and ultimately disappearance, but <clears throat> take my word for it, if, you're, if you persevere in this and you stick to it, it will dissolve into space and no traces will remain if you're thorough about remaining with the truth of it in that embrace of meditation. Now, another technique is, I, is one I call antidoting, where you remember some techniques or some experiences that you've had in the past, which were very joyful, very open, very expansive, very clear, where a situation came up ideally that might have normally created sadness, grief, anger, fear, uh, hastiness, um, worry, and so on. But instead, what you experienced was a sense of, of great openness, trust, peace, fundamental harmony and inherent spaciousness. And if you've had some experiences like that where you didn't react in the normal blocked way, but you, you responded in this other way, you remember those experiences and you, like I usually say, make them into kind of arrows that you place into the quiver of your mind in the form of memory, a bag of memory. And then when circumstances arises that uh, is difficult, like somebody screaming and yelling at you, you simply pull that arrow of that memory out of the quiver of the past, you bring it to the bow of, of your intention, and you fire that directly into the heart of the current circumstance that you're dealing with internally within yourself. And as that enters that field of what is about to emerge as anger or fear or uh, hastiness or sadness or worry, whatever it might be, 
the entry of that uh, powerful memory of being open, spacious, well-integrated, uh, trusting and loving instantly transforms the nature of that blockage or that shadow aspect into a very positive, freed up experience in the context of what normally would have been a very difficult circumstance and situation. Now this takes some preparatory work and it takes some practice to do this, to become skillful at the approach. But if you become skillful at doing this and you're diligent in developing the technique, then when the moment arises where you need to apply it, it's right there, it's available and you can, you can, you can utilize it in an, in an instant. It's extremely effective and uh, it's, it involves the skillful use of memory and um, applying the power of intent at the same time. We've talked about that before in previous podcasts. So all that comes together in this antidoting practice. Now, another approach, which is so simple that many people uh, find it difficult to believe is to simply have the power of, realize that you have the phenomenal power of choice and that we really use that power of inherent choice of saying that I choose to be in this state of mind and emotion. I make a clear choice to enter into a, a different way of being than the one that I'm being led to by my old blockages and, and obscurations. And again, if you make habit your friend, which is one of our core principles in the way of nature, make habit your friend, not your enemy. Take habit and normally instead of it serving all these blockages and, and hellish experiences that we go through, entrain habit. And by that, I mean, if you practice one thing diligently over a full lunar cycle, a positive thing that leads to freedom, then that begins to become ingrained in your normal way of being. And you've allowed the power of making habit your friend to take this power of choice. And you've chosen to be happy and joyful and liberated being instead of one could up in blockages, shadows and inner demons. So the power of choice, that's another one of the approaches. Another approach is one that I call the power of the tantric power of transformation. Here it's similar to the one where we did you applied the power of meditation on the inner blockage within your heart. But here, what you do is to take the <clears throat> the fundamental the fundamental blockage aspect within yourself once it's been fully authenticated and honored as existing, and you embrace it with a kind of wholehearted. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for this, a brilliance, a wholehearted embrace. You take the fullness of your being, your heart and your mind, and you embrace this, this inner blockage in a way that, again, it begins to lose its power as soon as you begin to do that. And it kind of goes, oh my gosh, they're not running, she's not running away from me anymore. I'm, and that built my power up when, when, when the response was fear or anger or sadness or grief or worry or hastiness. Any of those things built more and more power for my blockage, my little blockage being. Now she's no longer doing that. She's, she's no longer running away and feeding me that way. 
So, and indulging herself in these blockage emotions. That's my food. Now she's embracing me. So I begin to become smaller and smaller as a little emotional being, blockage being. And so as you do the embrace of that blockage being, it begins to become smaller and smaller and smaller. But your job is to follow that blockage into every tiny place within your various bodies, the physical body, the energy body, the emotional body, the mental body, the ancestral patterns, and the karmic traces. So you're very thorough about the process of transformation through the embrace by going deeper and deeper into the truth of where that emotional blockage being tries to hide out. And the deeper you go, the more, more abundantly you embrace what's left of, of this little blockage being. And then actually at the final level of the, the complete embrace, the emotional blockage being not only have you become liberated and dissolved into space, but that emotional blockage being is completely freed and liberated into the vast spaciousness of their being. Because underlying that emotional blockage being was the desire to be free and liberated as well. So you've accomplished both your own liberation and you've helped the liberation of this little blockage entity that had possessed you. That's the power of transmutation and uh, the tantric approach. And it involves a complete embrace of the, of the blockage aspect or the shadow aspect. The final aspect is maybe the most thorough and it's one that we call <clears throat> self-liberation. To do, to accomplish this, the main requirement is that you be firmly established in, in a recognition of your true nature of source you have done enough homework so that you're able to rest in a state of pure, open, spacious, clear, boundless awareness as your fundamental truth, the fundamental truth of your being. When you're fully established at that level of your being, then when the blockage aspect arise, arises as an entity within you, it immediately is self-liberated into the vastness and the spaciousness and the luminosity and the clarity of your true nature. It's dissolves without a trace. It, its nature is also liberated completely without any trace being left in itself or in you. And the whole thing is resolved in a minimal state of pure, pure samadhi, pure space, pure rigpa, pure Tao, effortlessly without trying to do it. But the main requirement is that you rest completely and authentically in your true nature in source beautiful thank you thank you for for giving that holistic and comprehensive overview of of this quite exhaustive range of options that we have to play with uh i feel almost bad for the team of blockages like we have so many different moves <laughs> well, we should have yeah. compassion for all these little characters yeah. running around of us. i mean they're they're all looking for freedom true <laughs> true yes uh i think now that we have given the listeners an overview of of the of the system perhaps we could bring ourselves a little bit to touch upon the role of elements and nature in this as we sort of wrap our conversation uh, i think a lot of the people might be wondering 
you know, you connected some of these emotions to these different elements. Uh, would that mean that if I'm fearful and the element of fear is water, perhaps it's better for me to go near a river or in a bathtub? And I think people have very complex minds, at least if people have minds a little bit like me. And I can always try to come up with these new ways of mixing things together. So it'd be very lovely to hear uh, the role of nature and also the quality of energy in different landscapes. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel that there is a qualitative difference in the energetics of spending a lot of time at the sea versus in the woods and, and so on. So it would be lovely to hear any reflections. Yeah, I'd be glad to share a bit about that. Uh, one of the things that we really encourage in the Wave Nature Fellowship is that if we can begin to find somewhere in nature a place that has the qualities of water and trees and, and plants in a natural state, and of course, uh, where you've got the beauty of the sun without a heavily polluted sky, the sun and the stars bringing in the fire element, and you have the beauty of Mother Earth in an unpolluted way underneath your feet, and you have the power of stones and uh, the metal element, which is often represented by stones in the earth, as well as silver, platinum, gold, and so on. And then, of course, you have the beauty of flowing water. Uh, if you can find an environment where all of those are in a relatively natural state, uncontaminated state, which unfortunately is getting harder and harder to find these days, but thank God we still have places on the planet which are in a state of relative internal integrity within its living system. And when you go to those places, the important thing is to honor them, do a bit of ceremony. We recommend the one we do in the way of nature, which is a universal ceremony called the 11 direction ceremony, which helps you to honor the sacredness of that place, the specialness of that place. And when you go there, you're beginning to feed the beauty and integrity of that place through the opening of your heart and spirit, which then supports the flowering of the sacredness and the, uh, the natural and inherent integrity of that place. Every time you go back with that kind of a spirit, it strengthens the overall field of that place to support you and to support the practices that you're gonna be doing there along these lines. Now, having said that, when you go there, I, I, like, I think it's important to make some offerings, bring something that you, you wanna give as an offering to that place. Ideally, it's a substance that is used by indigenous peoples in your area and you utilize those substances to give back a blessing and honoring and show your respect and appreciation to that place as foundational. Having done all that, and maybe even say something about your regrets about what humans have done before you came there, how nature has not been honored, has not been respected, has not been honored in a sacred way, but you wanna now reverse that process and at least in this spot, you're going to reconnect in a very profound and deep and sacred way. This is what we've done here at the Sacred Land Sanctuary in Colorado. And it's kind of a model for how to go about doing this. So do that for yourself in your own sacred spot, wherever you can find it in your region and go there on a regular basis, ideally daily. 
ideally in the in the morning time before the sun is too high or in the late afternoon as the sun is coming into its final phase. Those are two very special times. <clears throat> but once you've done that, then start making a connection with the natural elements of that place. If you have the water there, you can sit with the stream, you can place your feet or your hands with the water, you connect with it physically and experientially, and you begin to feel that deep connection, you, you go through the sequence of first connecting to the water, then experiencing a deeper level of connection, which we call a level of communion, where you and the water are really one, even though you and the water are also separated at the same time. Then you can go even deeper and go into an experience of you and the water being one being. And then you follow that water back into yourself to discover where is the water element alive in you? in your blood flow, in the flow of the lymph in your body, in the fluids that support every cell in your being, in all the tissues and organs, in the bladder, of course. Every part of your being is supported by an inner uh, lake of water and honor that fairness of the water element in yourself and in the, the stream that you're connected with. Both are really fundamentally the same. And then do the same thing, go through that same sequence with each one of the other elements. Ideally, you can go through the sequence of first do it with water, then maybe find a beautiful tree. Embrace that tree and go through the same experience of deep connection using the sense of touch and smell and vision and the sound, the sound of the leaves blowing through the, in the wind, for example. You can use each of your perceptual fields to deepen the connection with. And as you are with that tree, you can feel within yourself the, the immense uh, vibrancy and living quality of, of the overall being of yourself. And also you too have limbs, you have arms, you have legs, you have fingers, you have toes, just like a tree has branches and twigs and has its own uh, roots going down into the depths of Mother Earth in the same way it's happening for you standing here with the tree. And you can share that experience together. We have a practice called reciprocal breathing in uh, which is in a little book I did called Sky Above, Earth Below. You can refer to that practice about how to breathe with the trees to deepen your connectivity. And then do the same thing in such a way that you begin to realize that the the outer tree and the inner tree aspect or wood element aspect in yourself are really the same. And then you can follow the same thing with uh, the fire element by honoring if you're in a, in a day where you have some sun, you can face the sun and feel the outer reality of the sun, its warmth, its radiation, its life-giving rays. And you can feel that that's being absorbed by your chakras, by your meridians, and the flow of the life force through you, through the chakras and the meridians and the fire element, and you are really unifying into one, one being. So it begins to support a very deep connection to the external and the inner internal fire element. <clears throat> you can also especially associate it with the heart. It's, uh, the heart is often a beautiful place to really vocalize the, the fire element within yourself. 
And then finally you can go on and do the same thing with the earth element and feel that deep connection with mother earth. You know, these days we're spending so much time with computers and cell phones and all these uh, novel electromagnetic frequencies, which are not normal ones that out of which life evolved. It's very important to spend at least an hour or so a day with your feet <clears throat> bare on the earth, at least in the warmer months of the year. And in the cooler months, wear something that's like a natural fiber or a natural leather and natural socks like wool and cotton and make a connection with the earth if you have to in the winter through those kinds of footwear. We, if you take a look at the, the book Earthing, it lays out the way in which we come, become disconnected with the natural frequencies of the earth and the capacity of the earth to completely heal many of the imbalances that arise from living in such constant contact with Wi-Fi fields and electronic mechanisms. And with the advent of um, the, new, um, the new telephone uh, systems, it's gonna get even worse. So we really need to spend time in contact with the earth, physically in contact, feel that connection. If you have your feet, if your feet are bare, feel your energy roots going down into mother earth and making a deep connection into her body and her being flowing up into you and filling you with the fact that you are a member of the body of mother earth as well and establish that deep connection. And then as you do that, you can begin to, again, honor the, the process of a fully integrated earth element aspect in yourself that supports every, every cell, every tissue, all the minerals within your body are, are part of that. And uh, you can feel that deep connectivity just through the, the all the earth elements that are making up your body. In the same way, when you're, you're working with the metal and stone element, you can feel that being concretized in your skeleton as a white, beautiful white skeletal structure that supports your entire body. And the skeleton is like the inner stone-like structures that, that support the entire body and organism. Now, having done that with the earth element and with um, with, uh, with that aspect, you can move on and do something like that with the air element. And uh, uh, get that sense of how with each breath you're bringing in the air element, with each exhalation you're giving back to the outer atmosphere. And on that constant giving and taking of the breath through the nose and the mouth, there's a continuous exchange and merging of yourself with the outer atmosphere and utilize that process as a way of merging with the air element. Once you've completely merged with the air element and you see the inner atmosphere and the outer atmosphere is really becoming fully merged as in fact they are in reality, you can do the same thing with the space element. The space element is that element, it's that entire field of space that holds all of life, holds the earth, holds the entire cosmos it's boundless, it's, 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 it does, it's not any particular form in itself. It's the space that holds capacity for all forms to manifest. And it's the elemental aspect that is closest to source. The final element you pass from 
when you enter into true nature, into source, is the space element. And you can then, from the space element, drop directly into your true nature and into pure source. So if you start with the earth element, you can go through that entire sequence, ending up with the fire element, and then from the fire element, move into the air element, and then the air element and the space element. And then that way you can make a connection, a deep connection with each one of the elements and bond with it within yourself and externally and see they're really one and the same. And then I have a number of other practices which we don't have time to go into about how you can associate the colors, the blocked emotional aspects that are associated with these, these different elements and how different sounds can free up the elemental aspects within yourself to liberate the energetic qualities of yourself and it helps to free up these inner emotional blockage aspects. So at the end of the entire sequence of working with these blockages, you're left in a state of vast openness and boundless space. And it's a perfect condition in which to drop into your true nature at that point. So that's a simple way to begin working with the elemental aspects within yourself. And that's the kind of thing we're doing in our shadow retreat work, which we're just finishing up with now. In the next uh, series of sessions, we're going to move on to pointing out your nature and, and source. Beautiful. Well, thank you for, for sharing that and giving people a flavor of the practice uh, that, that might be possible for them to play with in nature. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's that's very rich and, and that's quite comprehensive. Are there any final words that you want to leave people with? as they navigate uh, this interesting uh, time. Yes. But well, we were definitely born in interesting times, aren't we? Very. Uh, that's supposedly the old Chinese curse. May you be reborn in interesting times. But um, I think the main thing I would like to leave with is that many of us in are, are now in a condition of of having to be in isolation, <clears throat> cut off from our, our normal interactions with each other. And we're really social beings in so many ways. So here is an opportunity, an invitation by this COVID virus, which is, by the way, it's, the COVID is pointing out to us humans that we need to come back into balance with the rest of life. Many of these novel viruses and bacteria are arising because we have created so much imbalance in nature. And now they're arising as a result of much of that imbalance, just as the climate crisis is coming as a result of the imbalance in the atmosphere and global warming. So in the same way, the you might say that one of the responses of the planet is to wake us up and to try to bring us into a more humble state of reconnection to nature. So from that standpoint, in our difficult circumstance of being forced into kind of isolation and disconnect from each other, now is an opportunity to go outside. It's safe to go outside in a, in a natural and relatively wild environment. Go outside, go there in a sacred, appreciative, honoring, respectful way make some apologies for what we as a species have done to nature, and then open your heart to, to honor nature and say how much you appreciate 
support of Mother Earth and Great Spirit and all of nature in bringing about your ability to come out and make a make friends and establish a deep relationship with your bigger family, which is the rest of life. There's nothing, you don't have to wear a mask when you connect with the trees, when you connect with the flowers, when you connect with the tadpoles in the, in the stream, when you connect with the, the, um, the deer. All those are glad to welcome your relationship. So go there with an open heart, uh, do something like the 11 direction ceremony and sit in a state of deep, deep respect, appreciation and honoring of this very special place that has been gifted to you when you found this very special spot in nature that we have recommended you find and go to on a daily basis, ideally. Maybe a one, it could be your backyard, which I can say that if you go to a special place in nature and do this on a regular way, then that spot will gather more and more sacredness over time, be it your backyard or even a special place within your house that has some houseplants. It's amazing how powerful the power of intent can be in, in supporting this. But ideally, if you're a little more disconnected living in a city, you might have a place you could only go to in a really wilder, more natural place in nature once a week on the weekend. And maybe you go to this other spot, maybe in a local park, or a, a tidy little place in, in, in your neighborhood where nobody else ever, ever goes and where you can go alone and invoke the power of being alone in a sacred place in nature for a while. And then open yourself up to a new community of life and new friends, new family that are gonna surround you in the forms of trees and flowers and the elements in the way we've just discussed and embrace all those new relationships and begin to honor them by going through the process of direct connection through your sight, your experience of sound, your experience of touch, your experience of taste and smell, your experience of energy connection, your experience of movement in these beautiful spots in nature, your experience of the emotions that arise as you connect, the experiences of love and respect and appreciation, and the kinds of thoughts that arise as you connect. Uh, this is what a beautiful flower this is. Or what a, that tree reminds me of my grandpa. Things like that. And ultimately, deep, deep connectivity will start to happen. And um, as that takes place, um, you'll find a profound opening to a whole new family will take place. And it will bring you great joy and happiness and uh, help take you out from the current craziness of our of our locking down situation that we're experiencing around the planet right now. It's a great invitation to join the family of life. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a great invitation uh, to the great mystery. Yes. Uh, you can only point us to it, John. Uh, we all have to go into nature ourselves and discover it. Uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been lovely having a dialogue with you. And, and today is also a special day. It's a Halloween day. And yes. it's a full moon day. It's very exciting and there's a gay Gaelic festival uh, where apparently it's only once in 50 years that you have a change of season happening on a full moon day. So today being 31st October is pretty auspicious. It's yeah. really lovely to have this dialogue and uh, to all our listeners, hope this is helpful and hope you find that special spot. See you. Yeah, thank you.
It's hanging on you. 